I don't know what education is. All I know is what it isn't. Imagine a school where kids have freedom to be themselves. Success is not defined by academic achievement, and you can play all day if you want to. Behind the idea is that we can promote the ideas of A.S. Neal, that we can um, that we can offer to today's education this historic fact that Summerhill works and that these ideas work. I mean, we've we've tried them and tested them for 80 years, so it's no longer the the new. Um, experiment. This is actually the, the, the model school <laughs> that shows how it works. Mr. Derek Wienhoff. He's better known as Deke. Drinking liquor with DJ Deke, we out laughing. Yeah, Deke. So, well, first of all, I didn't like school. So, I mean, uh, right from the beginning, I, I didn't like it. it. It seemed dodgy to me, you know. It's <laughs> kind of like smelled a rat when I was seven or something. So I never really enjoyed it for a number of reasons. Uh, and by the time I got to high school, I was, you know, grade 10 or 11. I was just completely fed up, you know. So, uh, you know, my, my marks dived and, you know, my parents helped me get through. We had grade 13 in those days. I don't think you do anymore. But um, uh, helped me get through by saying, look, if you don't want to go some days, that's fine. And, you know, my dad said, yeah, but if you don't, you know, do your final exam after all this work, it's probably not worth it. So they really helped me a lot. Otherwise, I would have dropped out. So um, I was going to be. Uh, well, I, I, I wanted to be a writer of fiction and theater and direct theater. So I went up to British Columbia and I did that at university. This was in the 60s, so uh, 67, 68, 69. So, so Vancouver was kind of like Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco as far as uh, alternative stuff was concerned in Canada. So in the alternative mix at that time, uh, there was a fellow named A.S. Neal, Alexander Sutherland Neal, uh, and he started a school called Summerhill in 1921 in England, and uh, it was called in those days a free school, although uh, we change it to free democratic school now because the idea, uh, when you say free, it just freaks people out, it's like saying saying anarchist or something like that. And he started this school, and uh, well, so he started in 1921. So in the 70s, he wrote a book. He wrote several books, but somebody did a composite uh, of his writings, and they published it in America, and it, like, sold millions. And uh, he was uh, on, you know, like the the Tonight Show or whatever it was those days. And so he became kind of like, unfortunately, in a way, a kind of counterculture uh, celebrity, although the school had been there since 1921. And so uh, in that mix of, you know, uh, communes and freeform stuff and uh, rock and roll and all that crazy stuff, uh, he got thrown in the pot. So if you were involved in any kind of alternative stuff, you knew about this guy. So when I was in university doing my, my theater and stuff, I, I, uh, I, I got the book called Summerhill and I read it and it just kind of stunned me because it, you know, I had hated school, like I said. Uh, actually, the, the, the first year before I read this book, I was so angry at the high school people that I wrote them a long letter uh, uh, and, and trashed the staff. It was pretty cruel because they weren't, you know, they weren't evil people or anything. 
And I never got into trouble at school, particularly because I didn't seem to. Po- I didn't see the point of being squashed because you know they had all the power. But a lot of my friends did over the years get really, really badly, uh, really treated actually for standing up to things and stuff. So I wrote and and told them all this, you know. And unbeknownst to me, because I found out through a loop after a while when I went back to, for summer holiday, that it just shocked the hell out of everybody at the high school because I was just this guy who minded his own business and stuff like that. So I was sort of spoiling for, you know, for revenge even then. So, so when I read this book, I thought, you know, this is fantastic, you know. And I remember, you know, sitting in my, my student room thinking, I, I'm going to start a school, you know, not yet because Neil, he started, didn't start a school till he was in the summer until he was in the 40s, 50s. I got lots of time. I says to myself, I'll start a school and I'll show you bastards that, you know, that it can be done better. See, so I, you know, I, 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 I kind of did my theater stuff and I graduated uh, out west and I thought, well, uh, you know, I, again, I still had this in my mind. I was quite determined about this. So when I came back to St. Catharines, I enrolled in teacher's college, not expecting to do anything with it, but simply thinking, well, when I start my school, if I have a teaching degree, then even though I want to do a school like Summerhill, which I'll explain in a minute, uh, people will, you know, they won't think I'm a total nutcase. So, um, so I did that. And in the middle of, uh, uh, the and the, it was ridiculous. I won't go into that. That's a whole other other show. But uh, you know, the teachers' college was pretty dismal. And uh, I, I was uh, actually uh, standing in a urinal <laughs> between between breaks and, uh, and during a break. And there was this guy next to me who I'd noticed before. And he had like a, a U.S. Army jacket on, you know. And as we were standing at you know adjacent urinals, I said, "Wow, what a look at how crap is this stuff?" You know. And he said, yeah, it's awful, you know. So we went for a coffee, and he was a, he was a draft dodger, and he would uh, got on a plane in Toronto, and, you know, in Chicago, heading for, uh, you know, to, to, to be trained to go to Vietnam, and he just jumped ship and came to Toronto. And his wife was the teacher, and she came, so she was teaching. So we got together, and we were friends, and, uh, and then we, 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 you know, sort of, sort of planned a kind of uh, future school is what we did. So Summerhill, I'll tell you what it's all about. Okay. Um, it, it's the basic premise, which is which sort of astounds people, is that children at the school, and it's a boarding school, it's an international boarding school on the east coast of England, and uh, it's never more than about 80 students. And uh, it's from about ages 7 to 17. And uh, they don't have to go to any lessons. So... They can play or they can hang out or they can do whatever they want, basically, as long as they don't bother anybody else. So Neil's favorite phrase was freedom, not license. And uh, basically, uh, there was a school meeting. There's a school meeting that's uh, a couple of times, sometimes three times a week nowadays. Uh, and everybody meets and they have an agenda and they discuss you know, rules, regulations. And everything is up for decision making except for health and safety. And obviously, you know, the, the running of a big school like that involves, you know, money, finances or whatever. But kids, kids can ask about that. But, and, and everybody has one vote. 
the adults have one vote and the seven-year-old has one vote. And uh, this, this is a, you have to take this in context because it's kind of like a tribal, it's like a tribe in a way. It's an extended family. So there's old people like I am and there's, uh, you know, students have been there since they're seven to now 15. And there's new kids who want to break all the rules. But everybody says, well, no, you can't break the rules. Otherwise, you know, we'll give you this fine or that fine, that kind of thing. So it holds itself together quite nicely and wonderfully. And the kids move along, and from about the age of seven to twelve, uh, I I ran a, a I developed a a, a, a a platform eventually when I moved to the school for for ages about uh, ten to thirteen or fourteen. But uh, from the ages of about seven to twelve, they go to a, a few lessons, but basically they go to what would be a home center activity space and they you know they do projects and stuff like that and the fact of the matter is that you know really kids don't need to learn very much up to the age of 12 or 13 uh, most curriculum is you know, really ridiculous and they really need to do curriculum reduction i mean you can say kids have to learn certain things because you choose to say that but what they actually need to know to move forward is is very little uh so so that is kind of interesting the philosophical foundation of this is uh, not just play or go to lessons, but, you know, basically it's freedom, uh, freedom of choice of action in democratic community. So free choice action in democratic community. The democratic in the community is very important because, you know, otherwise you get a bunch of little dictators running around little kids. So it's community based and it's a democratic meetings that, you know, keep all things together. We School has about 200 laws that the kids make and they throw in a big binder and they look them up and stuff like that. But if you're choosing what you want to do, you know, you have the time, that your gifted time and your gifted choice of action. So basically you choose what you want to do. And whether you choose to be with people or do certain things, then you're choosing what to do, what to learn. Uh, and then you get a reaction from that, you know, whether you learn a certain way or you be with people or how you act read and the reaction back. So as you go through the terms and the years, you kind of create yourself by your free choice and the reactions back from your free choice. Uh, so it is in general terms. But if you take a school like a normal school, really you have no free choice. You might say, well, you know, you can, you can have, you know, one of three choices for, you know, for, for science or something like that. But you have to do, you have to do what you're told, which means that other people are choosing your actions in your, in controlled time. Which means other people are creating you, basically speaking. So the state is really creating you to a great extent. You see, they're creating you for, you know, in the, in the, in the old days, it would be creating uh, soldiers who would go over the trenches and get slaughtered, or yep. it, it's creating, uh, you know, people who would go on religious, you know, killing for religion or, or whatever, or, or wiping out the aboriginals. Right. Uh, or these days, you're creating uh, little, uh, you know, economic warriors for the, you know, for the domestic product of the country and the global economic wars, whatever it is. But, you know, and the kids have no idea this is going on. So they're just being controlled for the benefit of others. Now, people will say, well, yeah, but, you know, there's the culture that has to be maintained and all that kind of stuff. But really, what is what kids are told to do and forced to do is way beyond anything what would would be necessary to, you know, to continue a, a sane culture. Mm -hmm. So that's what that's basically what it's all about. 
Right. So, uh, so A.S. Neal, one of his quotes I remember from an interview, uh, to go back to what he said, the freedom of, of choice, he said, life is, uh, uh, living comes first and learning naturally comes secondarily. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah, the, the, emotion, the, the emotional state, uh, the emotional being and the social being of the child are, are utmost. I mean, at Summerhill, uh, there are, you know, there are classrooms, uh, there are teachers in the classrooms. Uh, and uh, we you know, have good teachers, and they teach well. And so, you know, if kids want to go to lessons, then you know, there's no doubt that they deserve to go, and they get, they deserve something really good. I mean, the thing is that um, the kids go up through, or they take state. It's called GCSE examinations, so they they can sit the GCSE examinations in order to go to college, which they do at 17. And the school itself is at Cambridge. Uh, examination center. So the kids set, sit the exams right there. And the the uh, <clears throat> pass rate um, of the kids at Summerhill is, you know, more than, you know, than, better than the national average. Of course, it's a small school, you know, mm-hmm. if, you're talking, if you're talking, you know, a factory model, industrial model, you know, for hundreds of thousands of kids. But that's still no excuse for, you know, what often takes place in, in public schools. Right. So I'd like to get to what you're doing in Spain, but first I just wanted to ask you uh, about what year did you start teaching in Canada? Uh, 1971. I had my own, I started a school in St. Catharines. Uh, oh, I, I didn't started, know that. Yeah, I started a democratic school, a day school. It was uh, based on Summerhill. It was ran from 1971 to, I think, 1979. Oh. Uh, had 30 something kids. And um, uh, so that's, you know, where I kind of cut my teeth on. Doing that kind of that kind of teaching, okay. and so so then I went back out uh, west to do two more years of graduate work. Then I came back, and my school I won't go into the details of it, but <clears throat> it it no longer existed. And uh, um, but uh, but I, I got a job in the in the state system because I had a family, and so that's how I ended up at Prince of Wales. And uh, after a few years at Prince of Wales, I thought, well, you know, this is kind of ridiculous. Let me start introducing some stuff. You know that I that I used in my my own school, which obviously couldn't be pure Summerhillian. So that's why I started to tinker and do the stuff at Prince of Wales. Yeah, and so you had to ha- keep sort of keep a balance, of course, between the the state's way and then your way. So if I could give people an example, something I always remember is <laughs> spelling class. We yeah, you you have the kids in groups of of say five or whatever, and they they. They go instead of doing one lesson for Tuesday and then next Tuesday lesson two. <laughs> you just go through the whole book if you're fast, and then when you're finished, you can go do whatever you want. You can go play on the computers. You can go on to your your math or whatever. Do other things. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't. I'm not sure whether I introduced it with with that particular group, but I do remember I introduced it at some point. I don't know whether somebody brought it up or not, and I said, well, you know, it's actually true that some people can spell and they don't they don't know why. <laughs> Some people can't spell when they don't know why, and they probably never will learn. It's true. And there's a group in the middle. If they work a little bit, they get better at spelling. So the, the, so, so the, the question in the air at that particular meeting was, you know, did, should everybody have to do spelling? You know? And I remember putting out the, the, the question, well, is it fair you know, uh, for kids who are good spellers to be able to just go to the side and play chess or do whatever they wanted. And the rest of the kids said, of course it's fair. Why should they have to do work they didn't do? So they didn't have to do. So we, I played around with different ways of kids you know, choosing uh, how much uh, spelling they wanted to do or not to do. And the idea was, I remember saying, you know, uh, 
and and you know, what about tests? And nobody wanted to test. I mean, this is one of the even kids who spelled good said no, no, no. It's because spelling test is one of the first things you 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 become a you know when you're very little you don't know what's going on and you get eight eight X's the other guy gets two X's you feel like a bad human being you know it's so it's really quite traumatic. Yeah. So I think I think I said well all right well, well I'll give a test but you you don't have to show me. But if you bomb the test totally, maybe next time around you should do a little more spelling work. And we just left it at that, you know. And and it, it worked quite well. Um, and you know, even in a class, in a school of you know, even if you were doing with six classes or ten classes, the same kind of idea could apply. Yeah. Now, did did you have any conflicts in that sense with the system, or did, were you able to to do to implement all those things with without a hitch? Well. The system in those days was very different. I mean, you, you wouldn't recognize it. Teachers could be teachers. Principals could be really, you know, stand up for the parents in the community. And uh, and just as I was leaving, kind of, the last two or three years when I was leaving, this, this kind of way of doing, which is, you know, I don't know why people adopt Americans things, but because Americans have a shit education system, but, uh, but, but we were starting to adopt the, you know, it's called assessment. It's really surveillance. It's a surveillance system, uh-huh. um, where, you know, uh, and, and where principals don't, you know, basic teachers don't trust kids. Uh, principals don't trust teachers. Superintendents don't <laughs> trust principals. The government doesn't, you know, uh, uh, doesn't trust superintendents. So the whole thing is this sort of, sort of, I don't know, Harvard management school of, of, screwing things up basically speaking so but that didn't exist and uh so i i played it when i first went there i thought well you know i'll, I'll show people that i'm a good teacher and i'll mind my own business for a year or two or three i just did it so i proved that i could do this job yeah. uh and then i got to know the principal really well and uh helped to get rid of one principal actually <laughs> <laughs> uh and but but I, I I was there for about 21 years, and a number of the teachers there, we said, we'll stay. We'll just stay here. You know, we'll become part of the, you know, not community. Well, I lived in the community for a while, but, you know, we'll just stay here and, and make, the, make it work. Um, but the school, there's two reasons. One is the school was, uh, in the old days, I don't remember, you, had the old, you remember the old building. I mean, it was a school in a lower economic area that really nobody gave a crap about. And the, the, the Board of Education knew it could get away with murder there because a lot of the parents that weren't, they're not doctors, lawyers, whatever, they knew that the parents were going to stand up to the school board or cause trouble. So when I went to that school, uh, there were, you know, really wonderful teachers there. Uh, there was a principal who was just terrible. And, uh, you know, and... Um, Teachers wouldn't come there. You, you couldn't, they wouldn't, they refused to go there because of the way things were. I mean, it was a really bad, badly behaved school yeah. when I went there. Uh, uh, and, um, and people would come, supply teachers would come in the morning and leave at recess. They'd go, I'm out of here. Now. I'm not <laughs> And one old guy came, I remember he came, and then by two o'clock in the afternoon, we realized there was nobody in the classroom. And he just walked out. He just walked out. He didn't tell anybody. Oh, so it is, I, I, one group made the principal cry, the vice principal cry. When I first went there, uh, somebody threw uh, a, a, an open uh, liter uh, tin of enamel, red enamel paint through the principal's window. So when he came in in the morning, it was all over, the, all over his oh, desk. They left dead fish on the, uh, on the front porch. 
Um, I remember he asked some older kids to come in. He was going to tell them off. There was an old uh, TV show called George of the Jungle. I don't really remember that. Yep. But anyway, the, the, the principal was named George. So they were supposed to be frightened. They're all sitting in, in, outside the office going, George, George, George of the Jungle. <laughs> So, and I, when I first went there the first couple of weeks, I mean, I was in the lower hallway uh, down in the basement and some kid took a bicycle chain. He, he just wrapped it around another kid's neck and just dragged him oh to the goodness. ground and started pulling him around a lot across the floor. So this was, this was the place it was like. So, Prince of Wales. So, yeah, Prince of Wales. And I, I, I loved it, actually. I never actually had any trouble with the kids. And then I started uh, tinkering with it. I remember the thing I would say was, look. I said, I can't give authority away because I'll get fired. The government gives me the authority. But I'll, I'll share the authority with you. And I'll share as much of the authority as possible. And I went on with that. So we de I developed that. And what happened was uh, the kids in my class were not misbehaving as much as the kids in other classes. Not only that, they would be fine with me in the afternoon. And I wouldn't even have to be in the classroom most of the time. And I could come and go. And I would drink coffee until they started the class. And then they said, come on in. And they would clean up at the day and leave. They said, we're going now. And, and they would, but they would leave my class and go to a number of other teachers on Rotary and be complete, you know, complete, completely evil, right? <laughs> so people were going, what's going on, Leonard? You know, why, why, when they go to your class, you don't have to be there. But when, and kids do theater, right? They just play little scripts. So if, if a teacher's cracked, they'll just, they'll just crucify them. Yep. And so, so some of the younger teachers started coming to me and say, what's going on? And I then started teaching. And the principals didn't care what I was doing because suddenly uh, those kids were not misbehaving as much anymore. So it just became – later on I told them, you know, where the ideas and stuff came from. So we got away with a lot because nobody cared about the school. You know, so the superintendents weren't coming in. This wasn't a shiny school that had to, you know, boast of the latest stuff. And, uh, and the principals – uh, you know, said, my God, what's going on? It's great. So, and the other teachers wanted to do it because it made their lives better. So this started to happen. And, um, and, and, and it just uh, snowballed, basically. We had the whole, uh, I don't know whether you were there, but we had the whole upper floor involved in, in, in doing that kind of thing. And it really did transform the school, you know. Uh, so, so then I kept staying. So principals would come and they would go, and would come and would go. So the teachers there were part of the community and the parents, you know, knew that the good stuff was going on there. So we gained a lot of influence and uh, I, there was, we had some really good principals too. Principals who believed in standing up for the kids in the community. Uh, I mean, one principal, Linda, I went to teacher's college with and uh, she came one year to me after I was doing stuff. She said, look, Leonard, would you take this class? And the year before they'd had three, three teachers for a variety of reasons. They were a basket case. She said, they've had such a terrible time. Just give them a good year. She says, I don't care what you do with them. I don't care if you teach them anything. Just by the end of the year, you know, if they have a positive idea about learning in school, that's all that matters. And we tailored stuff, you know, and I, other times I would go into a teacher and say, look, uh, I say, look, this group is having a really hard time with the basics of, you know, reading and writing and math and stuff. I said, you know, screw science. I'm going to slash science to the bone. I'm going to make up my own mini history curriculum that'll last for like three hours or something. And let's just do what needs to be done. And they would go, yes, absolutely do what needs to be done. And so there was, so, so, you know, there was a control at the bottom in those days. And, uh, and also because the school was kind of 
on the outs. So all that combined made it, we, we did what we wanted basically there uh, on behalf of the kids really. Yeah. And then before I was going to leave, uh, this stuff come, coming down, the first bit of testing was coming in and all this kind of stuff was coming in. And they, they, what they did with people like me, um, they offered all kinds of older teachers early retirement to get rid of us. And, uh, and, and then they, they made the, um, the, call, the, the teachers college two years of kind of indoctrination. And then they put new people in who were on probationary contracts and if they didn't do what they were told, they could be they, be they could be thrown out. And the other thing they did was they made principals part of management, so that principals could just be moved around by a phone call, and they were sliding principals around every three or four or five years, so they didn't get attached to the kids, they didn't get attached to the community huh. to give get, to give the, the the central powers more control. Wow. So that's a long story, but that's what was going on there. Yeah, and just to give uh, people listening some idea of like what we were doing that was so different like i mean i was there from grade one uh to grade six i i left uh to queen mary at for grade seven but grade five one to five was just you know it was okay but grade six when i had you it was totally a life-changing experience and maybe i didn't realize it at the time but always yeah. looking back i mean the friends i made in, in well we were all sort of friends g growing up through that but but the, the the different activities we did like we had a student uh class council we yeah. had we, we actually made real decisions like we would have we would uh, move for uh, parties. We had like regular dance parties. We <laughs> had uh, we had the kiss offs, which uh, was like a playwriting group. Uh, I forget what it even stood for. Do you remember what that? No, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea either. But, uh, but yeah, we were, what else did we do? I mean, we had a well, pet pet rabbit, like just different rabbit, things. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, probably before you got there, but I mean. I just pitched. I said, "Look, you know, this, what I, one of the reasons I like that school was I have big rooms, big, big rooms, tall ceilings. So I said, "Look, uh, you know, let's we can make room along the side at the back for doing things." When I originally pitched it, I said, "But it means that we have to cram all the desks into a smaller area, which I said won't be all that comfortable. But if we can do that, we'll have all kinds of space to do stuff." And the group voted, "Yeah, let's do that." And then I found that. I found that the, the, some old, old, I think a lot of them were in the basement. They were really small, much smaller desks and made out of wood. And they were all like carved up and stuff. But we got them because, you know, if you take a floor plot, the, the top uh, area of one desk and multiply it by 30, you, you realize how much, you know, floor space you're using. So the smaller the desk, the better. So we got those desks. And then over the years, I mean, we had a, you know, we had a workshop, we had... Uh, you know, art area. We a stage. Had a we had a stage. stage at one point. We had a lounge at one point. All that kind of stuff. And the, the, one of the reasons, well, one of the reasons it allowed that, because it, it allowed people to go do stuff, but it also caused problems, right? So that, that gave us something to talk about, you know, if somebody's making noise or they're leaving a mess or all that kind of stuff. So that allows the kind of living space where you can then, you know, have, you can have a discussion, you can have meetings and, and, and figure out what to do about it. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it I didn't. Re I had no idea it would work that well. I mean, I just started tinkering with it, and some of the stuff, obviously, you know, it was kind of school. In other words, we had people start the day and end the day on the stool with the microphone. But I mean, it was stuff that had to be done by somebody, right? You know. So I just said, "Well, do you want to do it? I don't want to do it." <laughs> so 
you guys, of course, and that age group loves to organize. That's why I call it, I used, I call that clubhouse now. When I, re, when I refer to it, I call it clubhouse democracy. Because that age group likes to have a clubhouse and make rules, right? For the clubhouse. And, and, and that, that, that kind of junior age is, is, is it's perfect for that. And then I don't, I don't know whether I did it when you were there, but I kind of got a partition and I put my, my desk at the back behind it so I could disappear, basically speaking. <laughs> and the idea was to kind of like just make myself go away. So that you had more and more feeling that you were running stuff on your own. So, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it was it was uh, it was it was the most valuable teaching I ever did. Actually, um, I mean, I was you know had my own school in Summer Hills, you know, in some areas is world famous and stuff. But I think the work uh, that I did with 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 you guys and you guys were a big part of it because you bought right into it and helped me over the years helped me develop it but uh that and with the other teachers getting involved i mean really by far the, the most rewarding years of, of my teaching that's 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 a, so interesting yeah it's such a such an interesting thing and so so uh now what's current day what's going on in spain now so you've you've spread you spread even more these ideas yeah well uh, well what funny thing was i mean i had i had uh when I had my own school uh, in the 70s, it was like an old house with a hole attached to the back. And uh, in a way, I, I converted – it had a bunch of little rooms, and so I took – you know, there was activity rooms and stuff. And I kind of took that and, and sort of reworked it into the Prince of Wales classroom. And then when I went to Summerhill, their, their uh, class two, which was, uh, well, I said, 10, about 10 to 13 years of age, they had a very, strangely enough, very sterile, sterile little – sort of rectangle. And I said to Zoe Redhead, who's, who's Neil's daughter, I said, look, this isn't any good for this age, kids, you know. Give me that building over there, which is like a horse-shaped, horseshoe-shaped building. And I said, let me develop a proper space for this age, kids. So I actually took what I'd done at Prince of Wales and redeveloped it at Summerhill and made a very successful space there for that age, kids. So I did that for 10 years. And I was the curriculum advisor and education manager, blah, blah, blah there. And I got to travel uh, during that time. Because people, if you go to Summerhill in, in, the, in, the, uh, what, in the, the world of democratic education, shall we say, it's like being from Hollywood. You know, you can be from a better, a better school, but it doesn't matter. If you're from Hollywood, people will listen to what you say. So people would ask me, you know, to go talk about Summerhill and stuff. And I did that. And then myself and some friends started a thing called UDEC, which is the European Democratic Education Community, which is a pretty big organization now. So I was doing that. And then um, I'll try to keep this short, but somebody asked me to go to Lithuania. And they wanted to start a school in Lithuania. It was NGO. And uh, as I went there a couple of times talking to people, met uh, people at the, uh, at the Ministry of Education and so on. And then the NGO introduced me to this, this millionaire type guy. He was, he was a millionaire poker player. <laughs> and he had, he, has, he had his own resort called Tony Resort. And I went, he said, they, he, they said he might want to invest some money. So I went to see him. We had a dinner at his resort. And, and uh, he started drinking wine, I started drinking wine, and he kind of got interested in starting a school. So he said, uh, would you start a school for me? You know, you can have complete control over five years, da-da-da-da-da. You can have the resort, so on and so forth. Yep. Well, I spent six months, w w uh, and I asked Ed, who was living in Spain, and the vice principal at Summerhill, to, to, to be a little team with me. And we went for six months, investigated it. 
And, you know, it didn't work out because of money and zoning and all that kind of stuff. But it made, Ed and I worked together, and it was just a lot of fun and really interesting. So I thought that when I was a summer, I thought, you know, I'd like to start a business doing that because a lot of people kind of want to start schools. Um, so I pitched this at him, and he said, yeah, good. And since he was in Spain, I thought, well, I'll come over to Spain. So I moved to the north of Spain. So I moved to Spain and uh, set up a website and stuff. And uh, I went, that's in September, I went for six weeks to help start a school in Lithuania. And uh, we've helped a number of people in Spain. And right now we're actually helping a lady in, uh, in Dubai. And, uh, and crazy as it may seem, there's a school in Islamabad in Pakistan. Uh, this lady owns a school and wants, wants us to help her make it more democratic. Oh. So, so uh, these, are, these are places I would never have thought would have, you know, hooked onto the, uh, on, onto the website. But we, we're, we're allowed quite nicely to, to, to advertise in the summer website. So this, this is good. It's fun. And um, so that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, so, so UDEC, uh, what, what specific ways do you, do you help them to, to start the school? Do you, is it, you get them financial uh, well, routes? So UDEC is a, is a bigger organization now, which I'm not uh, involved with. My, 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 my thing is called Summerhill Democratics, which isn't a real word, but it sounds good. Summerhill <laughs> Democratics. And it's www.summerhilldemocratics.net. And it's a website. We offer all kinds of stuff for people who just want to know about more about it. schools. People would like us to come and give talks. Uh, universities ask us to go. People who want to start schools. Uh, and we have a very good blog, actually, a Facebook page, rather, uh, Summerhill Democratics, where we blog about, you know, what we're doing, what the philosophy is and stuff like that. So it's, uh, yeah, we've been at it for about 18 months. And it's, it's a lot of fun, actually. I mean, it'd be nice if it got going and, you know, we could have a whole lot of people, but it's fun. Yeah. I mean, basically, I'd like to start another school, but, you know, I'm running out of time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, well, but that's uh, such a such an interesting goal to have in life and like your path of, of you know, just just the places that, that, that it can take you if you just follow, you know, follow your kind of your your inner inner feelings and in, in your yeah, you know what's strange about it is uh, because uh, I've been I'm going to be blogging about it soon, but people say, "Well, hey, you know, how did you get involved? Why?" I said, "Well, to tell you the truth, you know, it was revenge that got me involved, which you know is not a particularly good reason." Uh, and and during the '60s, it was like an ego trip in a way for a young man uh, because it was kind of like you know you started start a rock band and everybody likes you, and you start a free school in those days, and you get you know everybody would come around and look what you were doing. But then you 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 outgrow hopefully those those little neuroses. But uh, uh, but it's it's interesting how uh, you know how if you were impacted as a child like I was. I mean I I really was what I suppose in philosophically or intellectually hurt by school. I mean it didn't hurt me emotionally really that much. Well maybe it did, but it drove me to do that. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, and uh, and I think a lot of creative people. And I say that in a humble way. A lot of creative people were driven by things that happened in their childhood to, to, to do things. Like, I mean, I really would have liked to be in theater and also write stuff. But actually, this drive within me, which came from a child, uh, pushed me to doing what I'm doing. And I'm 69 and I'm still doing it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a fascinating thing to look back on about what actually 
sets your course. You know, and I'm, I, I, you know, I'm glad I took that course, but it's it's an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we can we broaden up uh, generally talk about education and, and globally and sort of the culture? Like we were talking earlier of the the uh, you know the Summerhill way of doing it, the democratic way of the freedom and everything, and then the, the yeah. antithesis to that, which is like the state and the like. Why is it? It's just something that's ingrained in in us, or or why can't we we all shift? I well, one of the reasons you can't shift right now is that uh, just very quickly. But I mean, the, the, the education system is a huge, multi-billion-dollar system, um, you know, enmeshed with politics and power and all that kind of stuff. So you know, to, to change that, you know, is is really profound. Um, but they, the, no one seems to want to go uh, because England's pretty small and Summerhill is very famous in England. I mean, it gets discussed in Parliament and stuff like that. They tried to shut it down a while ago, but uh, um, yeah, Tony but, Blair was it Blair? Um, well, yeah, it was. Yeah, great film by the way. Summerhill is a good film to watch. It, it, it's like I a started fairy- it, but I didn't get to finish it yet. But, oh, it's, it's okay. It's it's a fairy tale, but it's true. I mean, we did that. Kids actually did go to the court, and uh, they did clear the court and let the kids have a meeting in the court, you know, and uh, they beat the government. But uh, uh, but anyway, uh, people just freak about giving children. Uh, freedom of choice um, yeah. for some reason, and uh, it's a, it's a very odd thing. And in a way, uh, if you think that education has anything to do with you know reality, and you look at most Western democracies, uh, that the, the education system is a dictatorship. You know, it's a hierarchy and a dictatorship and a bureaucracy. Yeah. So you put children in a you know, hierarchic dictatorship bureaucracy from the age of five to the age of 17 and then you suddenly say hey now you're a a knowledgeable uh, citizen about freedom and democracy well that can't be true can it It, so 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 there's got to be a reason why children are not allowed free choice practice of free choice and aren't allowed to practice democracy and the making of decisions and it can only be that the people who are in control don't want democracy because if you think of democracy, let's say the, the, the classroom at Summerhill was a workplace in a way, right? And uh, basically, I gave you some democracy and say over your workplace, right? So that's this is communism, but it's like if we actually go democratic and people want to have some say in the world, they're not going to be happy just checking a box once every five years. They're going to want to have a say about a lot of things, including their workplace and, and their environment and their city and all that kind of stuff, a much more hands-on approach. And there are people who simply don't ever want that to happen. Uh, so at least in the old days, like the, the system was kind of invented by the Prussians, actually. Uh, but at least Ford and the industrialists in, in America basically said, we're going to set up a system so that we're going to train obedient workers. Yep. At least they were honest about it. I mean, you, can go, <laughs> you can go read the stuff that they wrote, and that's actually what they said. Right? Yeah. Uh, but people don't actually say that anymore. But that's actually still what, what's happening. It's a giant control system. It's also... Uh, a kind of a religious belief system because most so, so much of it was complete absurdity and fantasy and, and the reason that I call it a, a religious system is they frighten they really frighten the parents in a way if you think about it they say to the parents if your child you know learns the holy 
scriptures of education, they will go to economic heaven. If your child doesn't learn the holy scriptures of education as we set them out, your child's going to go to economic hell. Yeah. So the fear that is plugged into parents to, to toe the line is, is, is kind of disgraceful. Now, in a classroom, you know, what you do, you learn, I mean, you know when you're pretty young, actually, that it, a lot of it doesn't make sense. Here you've got a bunch of adults who are, who are feeding you absurdities, and you have to pretend that it's reality. And not only do you have to do that, they make you want to compete in the absurdity, in other words, because, you know, they give you grades and all that kind of stuff. And then there's gatekeepers, you know, the gatekeepers say, you want to get to the next level, you want the keys to this door, you've got to learn these absurd things. So in a way, to an extent, you're learning that absurdity is reality, and which is just a complete mind bomb, actually. So by the time you, you know, I mean, you, you see through it, I see through it, but by the time millions of people get through that stage and they get busy with families and careers and debt and all that kind of stuff, they just have no gut knowledge of democracy or freedom and everybody just falls into line. And that sounds like some sort of conspiracy conspiracy theory. I don't think it is conspiracy. It's more like an anthill, right? And it just happens because people don't want to give people freedom, bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I spent a lot of time looking out the window in elementary school. <laughs> you know oh, yeah. I mean? like, well, see, you're just wasting your, your life, basically speaking. <laughs> You know, I mean, and, and to say that, again, it's to say that kids need it is cra absolutely crazy. You don't need to learn most of that stuff. I mean, at some point, you know, you want, you, you want your doctor to know what he's doing, you know. Yeah. You, you, don't, you don't want him to say, well, I really didn't go to many lessons, but I'll, I'll operate on your brain anyway. But there's a yeah. point that, but there's, there, but there's a point up to, say, 12 or 13 uh, that, you know, up to that point is absurd, you know. When I did my own school, I actually went to the local there was a local branch of uh, the Ontario Institute of Education in St. Catharines. And I went to the guy and I said, look, you know, I got this, I'm starting a school. It's for kids of 8 to 14. They're going to go to high school after me. I don't have a lot of money. I would like the school to last for a while. But if it doesn't last, these kids are probably going to have to go back into the system. And I don't want to mess them around. You know, I want to give them as much free choice as possible. What do they need? And he said, well, look, between you and me, <laughs> he said, they need uh, literacy and numeracy and, um, you know, the ability to, to think and think creatively, do, do interesting stuff, solve problems, you know. Uh, and he said, that's it. I said, that's it? He said, yeah. That's all you get. That's all you need. He said, if they go, he said, stuff doesn't follow on from history to history or science, all that much or whatever. He said, if they do that, you know, if you offer them that and then they go to high school, they'll be just fine. So I, I put a thing where we actually had a four month cycle. So uh, the first week of, of, of uh, school, we offered math and English uh, every morning. We didn't force anybody to take it, but we made it off. We, we, by offering it that way, it was obviously we're saying, look, we think it's important. You don't have to do it. But. Yeah. So, so every morning yeah, for, for, uh, for five days, and then the following three weeks, every Wednesday morning. And in between, we did all kinds of projects and stuff. And uh, I ran a school like for eight or nine years, and the kids went to high school. They had absolutely no problem transitioning to high school, none whatsoever. And uh, so it's, 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 it's a lie. You know, when they say, oh, you know, you're taking your kid out for a week of holidays, every day of school counts. Well, anybody who's been taught in the school knows it's complete 
and utter nonsense. Yeah. You know, you just don't need to know that much. And uh, you could just slash it to the bone. I mean, any state school could slash the curriculum to the bone, yeah. give kids all kinds of time, set up project centers, you know, give them every afternoon to do stuff, have meetings, solve problems. And they do, up, you know, they could you know, go to grade eight and, and, and graduate be just fine. Mm-hmm. But, they, but they won't do it. No, and we talk, we're talking a lot about elementary school, but even when you get into high school, like a lot of uh, my peers in St. Catharines, we talk, when we talk about high school, we yeah. just remember still all the time wasting the things. Why does uh, civics and careers only count for half a credit each? And oh. we didn't learn any personal finance stuff or like things <laughs> that we would really need to learn. In our no, life. or learn out how the media manipulates you. All that or, stuff, yeah. You know, why the education system is the way it is. Nothing that matters. You don't learn how to do anything. You know, you know how to build a shelf in your house or you know dig a garden. Nothing like that. You just no. you you learn crap basically. And the thing is, these gatekeepers are such that the universities say you need these key. You need I at Summerhill we call it monopoly money. So you know we have careers advisors. You know, when they get a little older, we say, what do you think you like to do? We go visit some colleges and stuff. And uh, we'll say, look, you know, you know, say John will go, you know, I, well, I don't mind science and I don't mind art, but the other stuff is crap. You know, I don't want to go to those lessons. You say, yeah, I agree. That's perfectly fine. So, you, you know, if you want to go to college, you can do those two things because you like them. But then you need three more monopoly. You know, it's two monopolies dollars. You need three more monopoly dollars to pay your way into college, and that's all it is. And that's the only reason you're going to go. Uh, you know, if you want to go to the lessons in order to get the monopoly money, that's all you're doing. Nobody, nobody's going to pretend it's important. Nobody's going to pretend it's, it's 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 good for your life or anything. But see, that isn't even said in school. You know, nobody says, "Look, you know, this is crap, right? <laughs> it's absolute crap." But I can't do anything about it because. You know, I remember, I don't know, it was your group. I think it was an older group because I taught grade eight one year. And they said, why do we have to do this? I said, look, you got to go to high school. I said, if the high schools said you had to hop on one foot, one leg to go from one, le- one room to the other, we would practice hopping on one leg. I said, that's what I'm doing. That's all I'm doing. And they said, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. We'll do it then. So, but nobody's honest with kids. They're just not honest, you know. Um, and nobody cuts, you know, no, nobody... Uh, nobody cuts slashes curriculum even in a math book you know there's so many lessons you know so many uh, exercises you don't have to do uh, and all that kind of stuff so no one is tells the kids and the kids know you know deep down inside some people know it perfectly well and others just sense it but they know that it's just ridiculous yep. you know yep. when I went to high school I mean we had a I have a bit of a group that kind of was sort of cynical <laughs> put it mildly yeah. And uh, we just got in our head. We we said, look, we said, uh, the school has no effing right to put anything in our brains that we don't want to go in them. This, you know, the school and the state has no right to put any junk in our brains. So, you know, if if we'll we'll do what we like, and the other thing will get fifty percent and just scrape through because we want to get to the next grade. And that's it. But you guys have no right to put stuff in my mind that I don't want to go in it. It's my mind. Screw off. Right. right. And really, a lot of kids really feel that way, yeah. you know, and they don't articulate it. But that's how they feel. And the adults are, you know, they're so blind. They think that and but they were kids. That's what I don't understand. But they, they, <laughs> they think that kids don't know it's a piece of crap. You know, everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, they all know it, but they won't talk about but it. Nobody, yeah, they won't talk about it, and nobody will, will, will have, 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 nobody has the guts to change it. And, of course, when uh, you won't remember, but there, was, there were decades when the only government was conservative government in Ontario. And it, that wasn't good, but it did mean that whatever the system was had a chance to, for good or ill, develop and change and under under one kind of you know policy uh, paper type thing but once uh, it started switching back and forth you know you got three different political parties whatever party wins uh, if you if you put if you put education in the electrical system electrical the electoral <laughs> the electoral system then basically the opposition says uh, all your educational policies are no good we're going to change them all when we get in. And so if they get elected, then they kind of go, well, okay, we've got to change it now, don't we? Because we told, we told everybody that they were no good. So uh, from teachers' point of view, it's absolutely exhausting because every five or six or seven or eight years, and, you know, overnight, another government comes in and just changes anything, everything, uh, you know, or a lot of this stuff. And they just experiment on children. You know, they get you know, whatever the latest crap is from the United States or some yeah. – some some university professor has new new ideas, or and they just they just drop it drop it down to the schools, right? And then everybody goes, oh, you have you have three days to learn it, you know. Here's a new way of doing stuff, and all the teachers like us, we so we just go, well, you know, screw off, you know, because it's only going to change in four years. Yeah. So we didn't really implemented anything because we knew it was absolutely useless to do that because in four more years they change everything. So that demoralization, and then they make uh, uh, you know teachers. Are like you know scandal fodder for 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 the newspapers and the media as well. So there's always this war going on between the government and the teachers. Well, how can you ever run a corporation in any way where there's constant warfare going on amongst who's involved in the corporation, say Apple or whatever it is, and and then Apple for five years you know produces iPhones and then somebody comes and says, oh no no we're going to make shoes now you know I mean I'm exaggerating but yeah. Uh, just can't run anything of any any excellence that way so okay well that's interesting because it kind of leads me to my next thought i was going to say maybe to sort of sum everything up and wrap it up um if so we're dealing with an antiquated system globally of education and maybe some countries are are a little ahead with low dropout rates and better maybe we talk about finland or certain norway i don't know i'm guessing and then america is like a very stagnant stale old antiquated so if you were, let's say, hypothetically, you had all the power to change policy and whatnot, would you change? Is there anything you could change specifically, such as like pay rates or like training better teachers, or or would you just go after the hearts and minds? And, and I, well, first of all, you'd have to. I mean, the architecture is the big thing too. But I mean, we did uh, at Prince of Wales. You know, we we messed around with stuff. I, you, I would sim- I would go really simple. If you're talking at the lower end, up to grade eight. Basically, you just want to get rid of pedagogy. You want to just clear it out and let children be themselves and let children, you know, learn uh, more instinctively, more naturally. Give them time, give them space, let them enjoy learning uh, and support them. I mean, and, and it doesn't have to be anything major, you know, uh, and teachers would be transformed as well, you know, because it would be a lovely place to be. So that's at that level uh, to start with. I mean, let's just say somebody said, you know, uh, Ontario. Well, the first thing you do would be you have to try a few schools. You know, you have some, I would call them transitional models. In other words, the government needs some enlightened transitional models. And you try 
a few things, even if they started little private schools and tried them, uh, or they, if they tried them in certain public schools, and they, they watch the models, they try the models, and again, I would be, you know, cut back curriculum, give kids time, let them be themselves, let them do projects, uh, that kind of thing, you know, sort of a bigger version of what we did at Prince of Wales. Uh, and freedom of choice, responsibility, the making of laws, and democracy, which I think is really important. And but I would start on the primary level in, in, in tester schools, and you've got to grow it very slowly from there. Um, one of the problems right now is there's a whole, out of, out of the states, there's this whole business of brain research. And there's all these crazy kind of, you know, uh, new ways of doing stuff uh, for children. And it's all based on projects and stuff, but it's all very manipulative. In other words, it's even worse than the old way. In the old way, the kids, at least, they really hated it. But this day, this way, this way, it could really fool the kids into thinking they're having a good time, and they kind of are, but it's all with, you know, this kind of in the behind-the-curtain reason for developing children in a certain way. And, 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 and in Microsoft's under that, Apple's under that, so there's a bad way of being progressive as well. Huh. Yeah, okay, great. And maybe one last thing I just remembered too. Would you uh, care to speak on what do you think technology might uh, add to, to the educational systems reform? Do you think that there's something new that we're uh, encroaching on that might aid well, in that? I think, basically speaking, that there's so much technology in the day-to-day life of children that schools should be uh, human. And uh, again, up, I'm talking to the, up to grade eight. I mean, you could use it for, for research and stuff like that. But I think it, I think it should just be people and less technology for little kids because they get so much that you know they get technology from the moment they leave school to the moment they go back to school. Right. So uh, some time without technology, I think, would be something to consider. Strangely enough. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, thanks so much for doing this, uh, Mr. T. And okay. uh, it's been great. Um, off the, this is not off the record, but uh, um, I don't know whether you know or not. You know that Sherry, Sherry is having a hard time uh, with her her, her, uh, her her medical situation, right? You know that. Who 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 is that? Sherry Lynn. Uh, I don't remember. Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. So there's, there's a girl named Sherry, uh, and um, uh, and 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 uh, oh, Kelsey. Oh. Uh, t- Two kids. Anyway, uh, Sherry Lynn hooked up to me a few months ago, and we started talking about what was going on at Prince of Wales uh, School. And she said she would like to get some people together to talk about it, what what happened at Prince of Wales, right? Uh-huh. And I, I, I said, well, that's great. I said, if, you know, if we could put something together online or something like that or put something together. Uh, uh, and she was very up for it, and Kelsey was interested. But they both had serious medical issues, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, and they've been completely cut out of, of even doing that. So this is not anything, uh, you know, to, to, to pitch at you to feel pro or, or yeah. con against. But if there are anybody, if there is anybody in and around St. Catharines who would like to form a little group to kind of put together their memories of what was going on at Prince of Wales in, in my classroom and in other classrooms. I know Nancy Robinson. I don't you remember her. Was she there when you were there? Uh, not quite. Sounds familiar, but no, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, but she, she, she taught there. She said she'd be really willing to meet with people, too, to kind of put down stuff. The reason I say that is there's a lot of people I deal with now who are state school teachers, and they say, what can I do in a state school, right? And uh, uh, if, if, if some of you guys who used to be kids 
you know, write down some of your memories and how you thought it, it, it was really a, a positive thing. I think that would be really good. Yeah, no, no, th- yeah, that would be cool. Um, I was just speaking to some of them on Facebook about at least having like a sort of reunion thing. You never yeah. know. Yeah. So anyway, if, if you, you know, anybody who's interested in doing that over the next year or anything like that, then um, because you're, you know, you were interested enough to talk to me about it, I thought if you want to run with that and sort of spread it around every time you see somebody in a, in a bar, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, and now that I got this podcast thing going, I got mobile mics and everything. So who knows? I could yeah. put a mic in the room and have a bunch of people sit around talking. Well, about that's, it. That, that that might be really good. And then uh, we could just, you know, you can send me a copy of it, and I could put it up on the website too. So yeah. Okay, thanks a lot, Derek. I yeah, really no problem. It. Yeah, thank you. All right. Okay. Take care. Take See care. You.